invented an RC airplane. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. So today, we made a, a special trip up to Leonore, Illinois, yep. um, and are recording uh, with our friend Brian from Dynamic Balsa. Our favorite hobby shop. Uh, it is by far an amazing hobby shop to come <laughs> to. Um, well worth the drive, yep. two-hour drive to get here, but uh, they have everything you want. Yeah, listeners have probably heard us talk about the shop a few times on, uh, over the course of our podcast career thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we buy all of our Falcata. Mm-hmm. You guys have heard us talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, we had pretty good uh, results with that, cutting it with a laser. So, yeah. Um, welcome, Brian, to hey, the show. You're, you're it's welcome. good to have you. Yeah. Uh, Glad so we'll to be here. We'll start. Uh, uh, have you just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then uh, and then we'll ask some of the questions we think our listeners want answers to. Well, I've been RC flyer since about 1985. Uh, my wife bought me an airplane for Christmas, and uh, I guess the rest is history. I. Uh, <laughs> it's quite a history. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, as most flyers. I kept moving on to bigger and bigger airplanes, and they were getting more expensive. So I started doing RC-related stuff to help support my airplane habit, and now I have a hobby shop. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, and and you don't just have a hobby shop. Uh, Well, no. I I have a lot of uh, scale accessories for airplanes that I have developed over the years as cockpits and gun sights and... a dummy, whole range. Dummy guns, yes. Canopy yeah. rails and a lot of other stuff. That, Which, by the way, congratulations on your Top Gun win. Again, another uh, dynamic balsa cockpit kit in the winter circle. Uh, yes, that's really good. I've had uh, several over the years. Uh, four years in a row I've had a cockpit in the in first place at Top Gun at one of the categories. So that's always nice. Very cool. Congratulations. Yep, yep. very cool. So, uh, you said you started in 1985. I'll start with the questions. Uh, do you remember your first airplane? Sure. It's a blue and white Falcon 56. Goldberg or? Yeah, Goldberg, Goldberg, yeah. Falcon oh, yeah. 56? Yeah. And uh, I didn't build it. My wife bought it ready to fly, pretty much. And uh, had a lot of fun with it. It, it didn't survive the uh, summer. Oh, no. But, <laughs> yeah. So, was know. this also your first crash? Uh, yes. Okay. That was my first crash. And I, I, you know, I mean, I fixed it a few times, and eventually, as I moved on to uh, uh, Sig Cadet after that, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. uh, whatever I could find. Yeah. And uh, eventually, I did learn to fly. So, what kept you? <laughs> what kept you coming back into the hobby? Oh, I'd always been an airplane enthusiast. Okay. I mean, I, I had been to Oshkosh numerous times, and uh, you know, I just never really knew anybody. I mean, I'd been out to the flying field and watched him fly, but I never knew anybody that. Uh, flew and uh, eventually I you know met some people and and uh, so I mentioned it to the wife you know about flying and and uh, she bought me an airplane and and I've always had one and now I have quite a few can you put a number on that (laughs) (laughs) my personal airplanes probably about 30 Uh, oh that's a lot less than I would have thought yeah I mean I have a lot of airplanes here in the hobby shop for sale, but yeah, but most of them, about 30 giant scale planes. Uh, I don't fly too much small stuff anymore. 
Yeah, to sort of to That's, sort of set the yeah. the mood and the and the and the view for our listeners, we're we're actually in Brian's hobby shop, mm-hmm. surrounded by airplanes. Yeah, I can probably count easily three hundred right now. Oh yeah, there's easily three hundred airplanes in the in the shop. So to to hear Brian say he has thirty airplanes is somewhat misleading. Uh, well, thirty <laughs> giant scale. Airplanes. Oh, okay. So go. we're not talking forty size. You know, <laughs> right? Nothing like what we're used to flying. He's talking real. Yeah. Expensive, uh, yeah. nice airplanes. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah. well, I don't crash as many as I used to. And well, that's good. There's a lot of airplanes. That, you know, I buy and sell and trade a lot of airplanes. So I get first dibs on what comes in the door. Yeah. So yeah. there's always something comes in the door, catches my eye, and says, ah, mm-hmm. that's a good position uh, yeah. to be in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'd like to fly that one. So, so, in addition to the to the hobby shop and the and the scale accessories uh, businesses, you're also a machine shop owner. I, I do. And I just this morning shop. in our conversation before this, I discovered that you also do a catering business. Yeah, my <laughs> wife my wife has a catering business. I do help her out. So Brian is a very busy man. What I love though, so as we were getting this stuff set up, we were talking about, you know, Tom and I are building the Duelist uh, by Dave Platt. He's the mm-hmm. one that designed it and stuff. And just down there where Brian's like, oh yeah, I know Dave. Yeah. I mean, he knows everybody. Yeah, in I the talked hobby. to Dave last, <laughs> last year at the Toledo. I mean, yeah. Brian is well connected in the in the industry. <laughs> well, I've been I've been going to the RC shows since uh, early '90s. Okay, as a as an exhibitor and vendor and stuff. So, Did you start with the Chicago shows there? Uh or actually, my no, my first RC show was in LA. Oh, oh wow! Okay, and New York and and then Toledo and. Have you always been anchored here in? Yes. Uh, okay. I've always, always been here in Leonore. Okay. And, uh, so I've, I've, uh, I've been to a lot of shows and, uh, you know, you get to know quite a few people year <laughs> after year, you see them and see them at various flying events. So yeah, right. it's always a lot of fun. Well, and you mentioned, um, but before we started recording that it, it's a small community, even though yep. it, it's a, it's a, in my opinion, a big hobby, it is kind of a small community. And, uh, when you've been in the hobby, as long as, as you have, you do, make those contacts and, and know those people. And you, you probably keep contact with a lot of those uh, people who were very influential in the hobby, like Dave Platt or Nick Zeroli was another name that, uh, you know, that came up. So, uh, which is really kind of what prompted us to want to sit down with you because you've been in the hobby long enough, you know, all these ins and outs. So you've had your hands in so many of the businesses that I, I got in the hobby, like you know, I said in the in the our first show back in 1980. So I'm familiar with a lot of the companies that that you've actually had mm-hmm. a hand either in running or owning briefly or or advising. And to me, it's just a it makes for a great conversation. Yeah, and I'm new to all this, so I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting, I think, because um, I think. When when Ron and I were up here a couple months ago, you were nice enough to have lunch with us, which is what prompted this whole thing. And I believe we were talking about the um, wing manufacturing um, company, and we were talking about. I think we were just kind of talking about the the twin project and uh, the subject of their B twenty five. I think came up, and that okay, you said that you had had some involvement with uh, with the wing manufacturing company, and yeah, you know, when I started. It, it, my first RC business was I, I actually cut balsa wood. I bought a company out in California, moved it here to Illinois, started cutting balsa wood, which was working out really well. And I happened to be in New York at the Ram Show, and I run into a guy that had a company called Pack Models. Mm-hmm. And he had several 
kits uh, that he manufactured. So I bought his business and started making some kits. And he had uh, all the way up to a third scale Cherokee, and he had a lot. Most of his were 40, 60 size. Mm-hmm. What I, I did is I took one of the 40 size airplanes, and it was 42 inches, and we doubled it up. Because at the time, you know, there was a lot of uh, bigger airplanes were coming out. And this was a low-wing sport plane. It looked really nice. Mm-hmm. So we took and uh, doubled it up, and I thought, you know, it'd be really nice if we just get a foam wing and not have to build up a wing and design all the ribs and everything. So I went over to see uh, Ralph over at uh, Wing Manufacturing, Ralph Andre at the time, and uh, and he, uh, you know, he got to talking, you know, and, that, and he goes, how'd you like to be in the wing business? <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm hauling it home. <laughs> and I mean, I cut wings almost every day for the next 15 years. And uh, eventually... Over the that course that time, I did pick up Avco, and I was doing the cockpit kits. And uh, I have since, I have, uh, and a lot of these places are just going under, and I, I buy them because I don't want them to disappear. Exactly, yeah. And uh, so then I, uh, I I bought a company called Pinkett uh, recently, about three, four years ago, and doing pinking tape. And oh, I also, okay. a company called C-Temp. And again, he was retiring, and I just uh, thought I'd, uh, you know, maybe save the business, you know, and you still have the stuff available because right. there's so many, so much things in the RC world have disappeared that they were really good items, and they're gone, and then you're done. Then yeah, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, yeah Ron and I have commented numerous times on the on the show a tool that uh, isn't made anymore or an airplane that isn't made, and it's a shame, but. Yeah, like the cover, right, covering irons and, and that. Oh yeah, stuff. you know that is such a shame. I, I bought all I could buy at the hobby shop, you know, <laughs> and then they were out of them, and now there's no more. And they were like the best. Yeah, yeah. And I think last time we were up iron. here, we bought the rest of them. You, that you bought had. all of my so, head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you never them. know when they're going exactly. You never know when they're going to die or something. Yeah. You need a backup. Yeah. I know. And I, once in a while, I get one in, uh, you know, as a trade-in, I somebody just comes in and quits flying or whatever, and I buy all their stuff, but. Uh, yeah, it's just sad that you know the only one out there is this really cheapo that that they that they have available now, and it's too bad they got rid of the good one and yeah. keeping the junk one. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. you know they have yeah. the best one in the world, and then they're uh, taking and uh, getting rid of it. Yeah. So. Now we were talking last week. Is Coverite still in business? Coverite is not in business. Okay, we weren't sure. I, I the kind only, of assumed that, but weren't sure. The right. only fabric. I know I can get is Oratex. Yeah, and that's the stuff from Germany, Germany. Right? That's from Germany. I have that. Uh, you know, the, there's uh, Ultracoat, of course, which is really Oracover. Oracover, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's made in Germany, too. And I have no idea where Monocoat is made, if it's made in the same place or not. You found yourself coming home with a with a, a wing manufacturing company. Yes. You know, tra- <laughs> so how many RC companies would you say you've you've either owned or you know had worked a hand had a hand in um, running yeah oh uh, maybe six can you name or them? seven so uh, wing manufacturing that's one yeah yeah there was well there was the balsa business and wing manufacturing uh of course i mentioned pinkett mm-hmm. avco uh sea temp and i owned top gun aircraft for a while and i've since sold that no kidding so wow. <laughs> and Again, you know, it just I I would have would have liked to have kept doing it, but I just uh, there's only so many hours in the day. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, it was a lot a lot of work. Yeah, I've pretty much uh, 
tried to start slowing down a little bit. Yeah. And the hobby shop has been really busy and uh which has been really good. That is good. Because that's yes. good for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's it is. <laughs> exactly. It's good for the modelers and it allows me to uh the downside is is a lot of other people like Global Hobby is gone and Hobby Co is gone. And it's really tough for a yeah. hobby shop to get a lot of stuff they used to get because uh, you know, Horizon don't have everything and they don't really promote the uh uh, the building world, no, very good. No, that's what Ron and I are single-handedly, single-handedly trying to bring back, or double-handedly, or double. Yeah, quadruple. Because oh, we got two hands. Believe it or not, true. I have a lot of customers that are builders, and good. I, and I mean, I try and support the builders a lot. I mean, I buy a lot of building stuff. I have a lot of tools here, odds and ends, but uh, it's getting thin as far as people that make them and and how to uh, how to get a hold of them and that which is sad i mean really. it is sad especially with yeah. me just getting into it it's like I'm, I'm finding something and listen to some of the people that have been in it for so long that know the tools that are available or were available and then trying to come across them and find them it's just it's disheartening that you can't get what you used to be able to get yeah i mean really well and and balsa even right now balsa you cannot get i mean uh it, it's it's coming like like SIG. I called SIG up to order some airplanes, and they have no balsa at the time. There's some coming in. And I cannot – I literally, other than Balsa USA, which is more larger kits. I mean, they got a few smaller ones, but mostly there's those larger kits. Yeah. And other than them, there's some Chinese companies that do some balsa kits, but they're so expensive by the time you get them in. Mm-hmm. And you, it's shipping is just – crazy these days yeah. as you can imagine right and uh i uh, i used to have a, quite a few sig kits on the shelf just either trade-ins or ones i just bought just to put on the shelf and i have since sold them all mm-hmm. uh i mean i have a few other types of kits but my kit uh line is getting uh pretty thin there right at the moment too yeah because well, people can't fewer, find them yeah fewer yeah. and fewer companies make them yeah you know which I'm sure has something to do with demand, which is then, you know, if there's less demand, there's going to be less development. Yep. And so there's going to be fewer kits to build. So there's even more or less demand. So it's a vicious cycle that we're trying and, to you know, break. And it, and it, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a lot of work to build kits. It is. Uh, now, of course, the lasers make it a lot easier. You can just have them laser cut and it sure beats buying a set of dies and, and having a machine to die cut them. And, right. Or die crush them, whatever. Die crush them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's a, uh, in one way, you know, it's easier to, to produce kits now than it used to be because because of that. But still, you got to be able to design an airplane and well, then. Right. And develop it develop and make it. sure it flies yeah. good and change it after you discover that it doesn't fly good. Yes. Or, correct. So, yeah, that it takes time and money, unfortunately. So, yes. Um, and if there's not a market out there to sell it to, then. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd like to make, I'm sure if you're making kits, you'd like to do 1,000 or 500 and not just 15 or 20. Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I've noticed that there's a few small companies like Mustache Model Works. Yep. There's a couple of other ones out there that are really small, you know, kind of focusing on maybe just one airplane, which is fine. But then what if you want to build something that's not that airplane? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So, can you remember the last kit you built? I know you're a busy yeah, guy. Yeah, it was a, a last kid I built was probably a, a nose in Mr. Mulligan. 
Okay. And Which that, you can still get, I think. I, I think you can still buy uh, nose no. kits. Oh, no. can you? I thought I, don't, I saw somewhere online. Oh, maybe somebody's it. making them again. I guess there is somebody starting to... Triple C, maybe? Carolina Custom Kits, maybe? No, the, I know that... Well, I heard that uh, I think it might be those guys are starting to make the old uh, Top Flight Kits available oh. again. Well, that that's fun. So... Uh, Warbird Sixty size, and, yeah. I think. Sixty size Warbird kits were yeah. very popular, and maybe back in the day. maybe larger. I I haven't really checked them out. Somebody just told me that the other day. Man, you can always build a Zeroli kit from plans, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There yep. are plenty of plans out there you can yeah. find. Yeah. Yep. But if you've never done it before, it's hard to do it straight from plans without really having the 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 background to know what you're doing. So yeah, if you yeah, haven't already be... built a balsa airplane from a kit. Building it from a plans is a little bit more challenging, but it can be done. I mean, yeah. as, uh, like, for instance, as Rolly plans, you get maybe three or four three or four drawings, and you'll get one typewritten page with some little hints in that and some help. And there's some help written on the plans. But overall, Zerolis are pretty easy to build as far as if you've never built a giant scale plane before, as opposed to a Hosteller plans would be a, a much tougher build for somebody that's never built before. Hostetler being more more detailed? Well, they're detailed, but he just built it in a different way and is probably maybe more scale. And, uh, and maybe some of it is just even the choice of the airplanes he does. But I just know from experience that uh, some of his planes are just tougher to build than Zeroli's. Yeah. Overall, Zeroli uses a crutch, and it's a, it's a pretty easy setup to do. Uh, yep. Jerry Bates, I think, builds his in top half and bottom half, and then you glue them together, mm-hmm. which isn't too bad either. Yeah, building them in halves like that gives you a datum that you can build yeah. flat on the table and then come back and right. join them, which is fun. Yeah, that right. sounds like and, a good way to do it. And yeah. if anybody, you know, I mean, I have hundreds of sets of plans here. So if anybody has an inkling to build an airplane, you're welcome to come over and look through the plans and find one you want to take home with you. <laughs> I mean, I normally sell them pretty cheap. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And we can help you out, you know, yeah, with the build the balls part. and stuff right here too. Yeah, yeah. So, and the tools and everything that you're going to need, covering right. all the way down line. And the great thing about having a fully stocked hobby shop is, well, it's a fully stocked hobby shop. Yeah. Anything you need, hardware, fuel tanks, which we're going to have to go shopping later. Yeah, I actually have a list of things <laughs> I need to take home with me today. So, <laughs> so Brian, over your many years of, of being in the hobby, what would you say? And I know it probably changes over time, but what would you say your favorite? aspect of the hobby is and maybe how has it has it changed over time uh price scale modeling okay uh as far as changing i mean the radios have gotten much better oh, sure. a lot more channels and a lot cheaper and of course engines have been you know i mean when i started modeling quadras and sonoas were about it other than the a few yeah. oddball engines and now there's so many choices for engines and yeah. they're they're powerful they're easy to start that's probably the two biggest ones yeah I mean, as far as the wood goes, balsa wood's pretty much still the same. Glues, you know, they had CA back then. It's probably maybe a little better. But uh, for a scale modeler, uh, things are really pretty nice. I mean, the covering has gotten really good with the, uh, of course, we had coverite back then. And, and of course, you can't find it anymore. But, man, that was some nice stuff to work with. Yeah. Yeah, I have have a few rolls of the coverite, the the painted fabric stuff still. Oh, okay. I'm saving for a. A for favorite your camel, project. For your camel project, right? No, no, the camel's no? going to get soaking dope. Oh, that's oh. right. I yeah. forgot about that. If it ever gets done. Yeah, it'll get done. Just <laughs> It's just one of those long projects. Yep. I want it to be right when it's done. No, that's decade-long project. That's okay, right? <laughs> it's okay. You cut wings for other companies too, right? Not just the, for I the did. wing manufacturing I company. did. I cut wings for other companies. 
uh, you know, at the time, back then, shipping wasn't so bad. You could do that. And I mean, I used to cut wings for uh, Radical RC, Dave okay. Thacker. Thatcher? I'm familiar with Thacker. the, with yeah, the he's company. Yeah, he's over in Dayton. Okay. Dayton, Ohio. And then uh, I used to cut wings for Jack Stafford models. Mm-hmm. He makes a really cool B24, by the way. Yes. I, I cut 100 sets of B24 wings yeah. for him. I've I always used to wanted run, to build one of those. <laughs> when I cut the wings for that, I used to run seven wires in one pass to cut the wings. Seven wires. Seven yeah, wires. in one pass. Yep. I'm trying to figure that one out. Yeah. All at different angles, then, or uh, there was different angles. Or I, it was one block. It was one block of foam. I used to have there was one wire cut it in half. Uh, four wires cut the airfoils, and then two wires trimmed down the block of foam so it would fit in the box better. Oh, no <laughs> all one, all at one time. Wow. And so what and then it- I did secondary cuts on it. So what kind of foam did you use on that? Was that like EPS? It was a it was a bead or C bead. Jeez, I think it was C bead foam. Okay. No, it was one pound density. One pound. Okay. Yeah, but it's very close. I mean, you almost gotta look really close to see the beads. It's great stuff. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And then you sheet them with balsa, right. like we. And the nice thing about it, nice it is strong. is the the foam come out of Michigan, and there was somebody that close by that used a lot of foam. So I just called him up and I'd come to work in the morning and there'd be like six blocks of four by eight by or two by four by eight foot long sitting outside on the sidewalk outside the hobby shop here. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my foam's here, you know, <laughs> and I guess you don't have to worry about anybody carrying it yeah, away. Looks like I'm going to be yeah. busy today. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, I mean, I always kept several of them in stock because you're supposed to make them, uh, you're supposed to leave them for a few weeks and let them uh, age. Oh. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, there's actually, so the company I work for makes foam blocks, and we do one pound, two pound, three pound. Oh, okay. And four, actually, I think it's 49 inch by 49 inch by 16 foot long, like huge blocks. And yeah, they age for like, I think three or four weeks before you can even touch them. Yeah. Yeah, Because they're water, you have to let the water, I mean, they use steam when they they expand the beads. Oh. Yeah, it's it's an amazing process that it goes through. They put them in a steel mold. And then they put in so many pounds of this beads, and then you put steam in there, and it expands the beads and fuses them all together. Huh. Mm-hmm. But you have to let the water out. Okay. So that's why they have to sit. Uh, I'll be darned. Yeah. yeah. See, I learned something today. So, yeah, I was to the factory a couple of times and watched them make them. <laughs> it's an interesting process. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Jeez, I can't remember how much I used to pay for them at the time. Maybe a couple hundred pounds or a couple hundred dollars a block. But these are big blocks. Yeah, two yeah. by four by eight foot. Yeah, oh, they were. But, you know, it was, yeah. it was about uh, 65, 70 pounds. You know, it's amazing the heat. I mean, you know, you, I, I kept them in unheated part of the building. You know, it may be zero out, you know, and you go up as soon as you touch that block, it's warm, which is amazing. Hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. Because most of the time I'm handling steel, if I'm not handling, wasn't handling a <laughs> foam. And the steel, of course, that never gets warm. It never gets warm. Went warmer. zero out. But yeah. it was pretty interesting, the foam. I mean, the heat would just, you'd be right there and it would be warm. Did yeah. you ever, did you ever get involved in the pattern, in the pattern uh, like I, business? I, I used to cut pattern wings. Okay. And, and, and I cut a lot of custom wings. And, uh, I mean, I probably cut, you know, there's probably people over the years that I, you know, would want 10 sets of wings for this or five sets for that, stuff like that. Did you ever cut for Craft Air or Northeast Aerodynamics or anything like that? Do you remember those names? No. 
No. Because I had a Kraft Air Checkmate uh, as a kid. And surprisingly, there's very little information about that airplane on the internet, which is surprising because it's such a good flying pattern airplane from the 70s. Yeah. Um, But I've wanted to build one of those for a long Mm. time since and can't find- Find No parts, no nothing. nothing. Yeah, no plans. I can't find plans anywhere. I can't find anybody that's got like maybe an old set of cores or anything like that. And the stab was cores, I think, too, on that airplane. Kraft Air Checkmate? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, if I run across one, I'll let you know. You never know. Well, if know. anybody's <laughs> going to run across one, it would be you. Exactly. <laughs> I got a, I got a pattern airplane in over the weekend. It's in the back room that came in. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I oh, can't boy. think of the name of it. It's one I never heard of before. Really? Yeah. You said we have room in the truck to bring something home, Tom. So oh, You said you were buying an airplane today. Um, maybe. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I, got a, I got a beautiful-looking uh, Ultra Sport 60. Those are good flying airplanes. Or Sportster, Sportster 60 or Ultra Sport 60 in the back Either room, way. too. Yeah. That is, the guy did an amazing job on the covering. Yeah? Yeah, it's ready to fly other than a receiver. That's one of the things I need to buy today, by the way, is a receiver. So. Yeah. There you go. So you talked, you, you got in the hobby in 85. When did you actually become a business owner in the hobby? Uh, probably around 90, 92. So that didn't take long at all. No. Seven years? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That uh, yeah, I mean, I I bought my first giant scale airplane and which was a which was a Mister Mulligan in '91. I flew it all summer long, and uh, I had a Quadra 42 in it, and it was built really light and it flew great and had a lot of fun with it and tried flying it below the ground and it just didn't work worth a darn. <laughs> I like so, that. I've never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, I ended up building another one, and that's how you started in 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 a. A hobby-related business, the Mr. Uh, Mulligan. Yes, I mean, I yeah, that would that was my venture into giant scale, and you know, I think at the time I paid seven hundred dollars for it, which was a lot of money thirty years ago. Oh yeah, and uh, it's a lot of money now. Yeah, if you ask me. Yep. So it was it was quite a bit. And I thought, well, if I'm going to have more of these big ones, I'm going to have to uh, find a way to pay for them. You know, and, and the first business was. The cutting the balsa cut wood. The balsa yep. Wood. Okay. And then one thing kind of led to another. And then you'd. You meet people and who were getting out of the out of the business, and you wanted to try to save them, and you'd buy their business. Yeah, and next yeah, thing I you mean, know, a lot of times people called me just because they knew I was in the similar business. I knew a lot of people from going to all the shows, so you know that kind of worked hand in hand. I mean, and, and these weren't multi thousand dollar business. I mean, most of them were just a few thousand dollars. Well, still, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a cottage kind of a cottage industry thing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. small community. Yes, like you, like yep. you said. And yeah. uh, but there's so much neat RC stuff that's just built in the basement, and people just sell them. You know, now it's easy with Facebook, with Facebook and uh, and uh, YouTube and stuff like that that you you can sell stuff pretty cheap. I mean, it kind of evens a playing field against a big manufacturer when you don't have a giant advertising budget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is true. Do you have a a moment that sort of sticks out above all others in your time in the hobby? Like, do you have that one defining moment in the in the RC hobby that you'll always remember and maybe might even say that that helped guide you to doing what you're doing today? I'll I mean, think usually, about that. usually everybody has a story that they always go to. You know, I have several. Ron, well, wait, well, one, you know, I I will say what I uh, back about 1994. I had just bought Avco cockpits, and you know, a guy by the name of Mike Cook, he had it for sale, and it was for sale for a long time. And a friend of mine who taught me to fly, he was building a yellow aircraft uh, P47, 
and uh, he needed a cockpit for it. So he called up Mike, and Mike says, I'm done. I'm not doing any more cockpits. <laughs> I, am, I am finished with cockpits. So he called me up. He says, hey, Brian. He says, you should call this guy. He's for companies for sale. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. So I just put it off. Two months later, my buddy calls me again. He goes, hey, he says, you call this guy Mike yet? And I says, no, I haven't. He says, you should call him. It's still for sale. Nobody's buying it. At the time, all his cockpits were very basic $20 cockpits, two sidewalls, a dash, a seat, maybe a rear wall. And then he had some optional gun sights, a couple of them. It was very, very small. I mean, he had maybe 30 items total. And uh, I finally give Mike a call. This probably in December, probably 94 or something like that. And we talked about it. And, you know, I had never, ever built a cockpit. I mean, I'd seen them, but I'd never, ever built one or knew anything about it or anything. And and I called him up and, and we arrived at a price I thought was pretty fair with everything that I was getting. So my uncle and I, we uh, we hopped in my minivan and drove down to <laughs> minivan, minivan, yeah, yeah, yeah uh -huh. Chevy Astro at the time. Mm -hmm. Drove down to uh, Blendora, Texas, and I bought the business, brought it home, and I I, I called up Nick Zeroli, and, and I, you know, and I uh, I had known him, and I called him up. And I says, Hey, Nick, I says, uh, and I knew his next airplane was the SPD. I says, Nick, I says, uh, do you have the plans done? He sa I says, I'd like to do a cockpit for the SPD. And he thought that'd be a pretty good idea. And he says, well, I can, I can send you the cockpit plans. He says, they're pretty much all finished anyway. He was still, and it's only two months. I mean, at this time, it's probably first of the year already. And because uh, I was kind of looking things over and seeing what I could do. And so it was only three months before Toledo. Nick said he would. He'd send me some plans. So Nick sent me the plans for this uh, airplane. And, uh, well, I called up uh, Wayne Yeager at Toledo, and uh, he was the director of the event. And he says, there's no booths available. And I thought, oh, my gosh, back in the day, you know, now, you know, the last, I don't know if anybody was there at the last one, but, you know, it was only half an arena full. You know, back in 94, there was no booths available. Huge. It was a waiting, yeah. waiting line. Yeah. So he says, I'll put you on the list. So I said, oh, okay. You know, I was kind of dejected about that because <laughs> I really wanted to be at Toledo there. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, nothing happened for about a month. About 1st of February, Wayne calls me up. He says, somebody dropped out. The booth is yours if you want it. I says, okay. In the meantime, I got my plans. And my friend who was uh, who talked me into buying this company, <laughs> he said he'll make the, he'd make the fuse section and he'll put it together if I made the parts. So I took and I uh, and I had never ever designed parts for a cockpit. I was looking over my my molds I just got for the vacuform parts, and you know again they were very minimal, couple sidewalls, a dash, and everything. And I thought, well, this SBD is going to be great. It's got a giant cockpit, and I was thinking that uh, it should have a a deserving interior to go with it right so i started uh with the floors you know and uh made one piece after another and i would take a couple pieces over to him and then i next night i'd make a one or two more and design a couple more and eventually uh we finished with it and nick got the i got the canopy for uh from nick on wednesday morning and i was leaving for toledo on thursday morning <laughs> and oh, my geez. my buddy had the rest of the airplane all done uh the fuse section all done and uh 
he stayed up all night and finished it all. And I picked it up at 5 a.m. on on Thursday morning, heading for Toledo, and it was it was all uh, all finished and looked like a million bucks. And in the meantime, I put ten kits together with all these parts and writing the instructions in between making all these things because I still have my day job to do. And uh, <laughs> right, so all these other was, businesses, yeah, and it was a lot of work because it was. It was all new to me, you know, yeah. and uh, so I had gotten it all done, and and I put a price tag on them. I think that was two hundred and twenty-five dollars, because I thought, well, if I'm going to do interiors, you know, I mean, I had hundreds of hours on doing this one, yeah, and I thought, well, you know, you can't sell it for twenty dollars. Now, so for the SBD, this was a front and rear cockpit, a front right? and rear cockpit yeah. with the guns and, yeah, and okay. everything, yes, and. Uh, so uh, I thought, well, up to this date, most of the cockpits around were only twenty, thirty bucks, maybe forty dollars. Okay. And I thought, well, I'm going to see if it flies because, you know, I, I put a price on it at two hundred twenty-five dollars, and of course, I had that cockpit section sitting there, which looked really awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, I sold out the first day at Toledo. I sold all ten of them the first day. Wow, that's so amazing. I thought, yeah. well, that's pretty cool. You know, I mean. Uh, I think I should keep going with this then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if I'd have brought all 10 of them back home, I don't know if I'd still be in the cockpit <laughs> business. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, he was he was selling. They were flying. The the plans were flying off the shelves, too. Yeah. I mean, it was a, uh, and it was a very nice flying airplane. And there's, to this day, it's probably one of my best-selling interiors. I now have uh, probably three of them. I have a quarter-scale uh, Jerry Bates SBD and the... Uh, Jerry Bates has a fifth scale also, and then there's also a Jerry Bates 85-inch SBD, and there's also a ESM SBD, I think. So yeah. I have a lot of different Dauntless interiors. Not to get away from the, the, the point, which was memorable RC moment. That would be memorable. You know, whether you sell 10 cockpit kits d determining the future of a company or not, that's... That's pretty memorable. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but is it, would you say it's easy, like on an SBD, let's say, is it easy to scale one cockpit from one size to the next? Or is, uh, it, a, is it a complete yes. I mean, well, once you have all the basics down, yeah, it's pretty easy for me to, okay. a lot of times I'll do, like just recently, probably a couple of years ago, maybe I came out with C-Furies. You know, Jerry Bates has three different ones, and then Valley Aviation mm -hmm. has one. And they're all a little different. Uh and I just did all four of them at the same time. Sometimes you can use the same pieces in both, in you know, two of them that are close. You got a 85 inch and a 92 inch or something. It's not that much difference in the interior. But there's a lot of pieces I had to make doubles and triples of and stuff. But uh, it's pretty easy because you have one there already. You just make another one a little bigger, a little smaller. And uh, so it was easy. I mean, I basically came out with all of them in, the, in about a month uh, <laughs> of each other. I mean, it was a lot of work. For the four or five months before that, but well, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I don't do the interiors because I'm. Uh, I, I mean, I have fun doing them. I I, I don't do them because I'm getting rich <laughs> off of them. I mean, you know, it sounds like a lot of money, two hundred twenty-five dollars for an interior, but it's a lot of pieces and a lot of work, and you invest a lot of hours up front. Oh yeah, and you slowly you hope to make it back. Well, over I mean, years. to to come up with one of those, you have to build a scale. Yeah, you interior have to build a fuse. You have to, to build a fuse section. Yeah, that's why you'll notice there's lots of fuse sections laying around here everywhere. They're they're stuck on all the shelves and everything. <laughs> and I have a lot more at my other shop uh, down the street. And uh, I mean, I have a hundred probably fuse sections laying around with interiors in them. Right. Well, but then you have to build the interior to be able to make right. your molds. Oh yeah, from. yeah. You want to so, make it work and uh, yeah. 
a lot of time. And then you, to... and then you got to write the instruction manual and, oh, yeah, and, and put all that together. So there's just a, it's just a lot of work, but worthwhile. But I oh, have, yeah. yeah, I have fun yeah. doing it. And you learn a lot about the airplanes and, I, I know of friends that have warbirds and stuff, so you know they say, "Hey, I need to measure this," you know, and they say, ah, "Climb in there and take some measurements, or whatever," you know, and so that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, so which is pretty nice that I've been able to do that and uh, get to meet a lot of interesting uh, people along the way. Mm-hmm. Without getting too specific, um, how do we? How can we get more people building airplanes instead of these throwaway things that that they get from these other companies? Well, I'm doing my best, but you know, I this it seems like these generations now everybody wants to do everything right away. Yes. You know, I get kids coming in here and not don't no, say kids, I'm saying twenties and thirties. Sure. Well, they're kids and, to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And they want a jet. It's like, uh, what do you fly now? He goes, Well, yeah. I don't fly. It's like, Well, you need to have a trainer. You need to be able to fly before mm-hmm. you can fly a jet. Well, but now with with the things like Ron and I have talked about before with these tools that are available like AS3X and safe technologies, people can go out and fly these things. You almost can, yes. And then what happens when that technology fails? They they get discouraged. Either fails or yeah, but you still got to have some basics like what you know. I mean, you know, when you're what's coming away from you or going towards you, uh, which way do you turn? You know, to go left, it's. You know, and uh, yeah, that was the hardest part for me is is realizing controls are backwards when it's coming at you. Once you get that, you're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, because because you might have to make that decision in split second. Oh yeah, and if you make Especially it wrong, with a jet. yeah, if you make it wrong, you get a pile of foam. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. don't look anything like an airplane. Yeah, no, so yeah. and uh, so I mean, we help them out with the simulators they got today, and that you know, it's it's pretty good, and you can actually transition from flying a trainer to a jet a lot faster than you could oh, 30 yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah, you can. I mean, I flew ducted fans for 10 years and, and had a great time doing it. But, uh, you know, back in the day, you had to build one. You know, I mean, it was a long process. Now yes. you can just come in here to the hobby shop, pick you up a really nice RC jet for $250, bind it, and go 100 mile an hour with your hair on fire and, yeah. and, have some, and look cool doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, without all the... Hundreds of hours of work putting this yeah. thing together. Yep. So yeah. that is pretty nice. Yeah, I built a few Dr. fans back in the day, too. Yeah. You know, Firefox. I, oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you remember that movie, right? With, Firefox? Yeah. With Yeah, see, he yeah. remembers. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry I didn't know. <laughs> it's an He's old movie. He's never seen the movie. Oh, a youngster, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Okay, yes. there we go. Yeah. I wasn't gonna uh, bring a. So I built, I, I built one of those as a when I was younger. Oh, did you? Uh, as a duct fan, and never flew, but it sure looked cool. <laughs> there you go. That was one of his first plans, or not plans, build, but scratch build. Scratch build, yeah. yeah. So okay. I scratch built a, a Firefox. I scratch built a scale fictional airplane. Okay, yeah. <laughs> By going to the good. movies, like what twenty times, oh, quite a few times, yeah. and drawing it over. Oh, and over is that how you did it? Yeah, yeah, you went to the movie uh, yeah. and drew it. That's pretty and the, good. And the you know the posters, you know the yeah. preview posters. Yeah, I use that a lot. That's too. pretty good. Yeah. Hey, back then you had to do what you yeah. had to do. Yeah. yeah. You were what 14, 13, something there. Yeah, in that range. Yeah. Yeah. So. But did you try and fly it? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, several times. But it just wouldn't fly. Just wouldn't fly. Yeah. Well, you probably didn't know enough aerodynamically to. Yeah. I knew nothing about. But it looked cool, right? But it did. It looked cool. It sounded really cool because it was a ducted fan. Yeah. I think I had. I think they had electric. No, 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 no. This is back in the day. Nitro. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, like OS 91? I think it had a KMB 82 in it. Oh, I think okay. That's what I had in it. All right. Um, With a Dynamax? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was either a Dynamax or a Cress. Oh, a Cress? I think it was a Cress, oh, okay. actually. Yeah. Uh, it might have been a Byron fan unit. I, I don't know. It was so long ago, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, a Byron. That would have been a six-inch. That would be a pretty good-sized airplane. Yeah, it probably wasn't a Byron. Because I think the wings the wingspan came out around forty eight inches or, 50 oh, okay. or something. Okay. Yeah, it was probably a crest. Probably. probably. It's probably that's even a little small for a Dynamax. I mean, a little uh, small for a Dynamax even. Okay. Uh, anyway. Yep. You know, I tell you, I, I mean, a few other things. Uh, you know, you're asking about moments that maybe. Well, you know, I, I decided to open the hobby shop in 08. And I had I already had the building. I just used it for storage. And I'd owned it for probably 10 years almost before okay. I decided. And, and I was, I, I had a, a building uh, I had at my machine shop, which I used for making the interiors and the foam wings and stuff at the time. And I thought all the area hobby shops had closed. And people knew that I had balsa wood and I had some glue. I kept glue and some other stuff. So people were coming, get, give me a call, wanting to come down and buy stuff and that. So I thought, well... Maybe I should open a hobby shop up. Well, you In know, a time where all these other hobby shops are closing, I'm going to open oh, up. Oh, a hobby yeah. Shop. I mean, we had the nearest <laughs> hobby shop was Chicago or Rockford. I mean, yeah. it was 100 miles to the nearest hobby shop. So I thought, well, I told the wife, you know, and she goes, what do you think? I says, well, you know, and she said, well, go for it if you want. I said, okay. Well, you know, I called up Great Plains and Horizon, and they go, well, you got to have 30,000 inventory to open a hobby shop with us. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I says, I didn't have 30000 I mean, I had the building, but I didn't have the 30000 to uh, invest in stuff. So I did have a, a friend of mine that had one of the hobby shops that closed. He had some odds and ends laying around there and some empty boxes and that. And I had a bunch of empty RC plane boxes and that. So <laughs> I, know I, this is I took and, you know, I mean, I, he had some racks. I put the racks in the front room there and, and I put a lot of empty boxes on the walls and and I uh, made it look full <laughs> and I sent the pictures in to uh, the hot distributors and they says all right that's fine you're good to go so <laughs> and you know so as I started selling stuff I would replace empty boxes with full ones right and eventually I end up with a hobby shop full yeah. but there were days in the first year or two where I had Saturdays. I never had one customer, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I'm thinking, man, did I do the wrong thing? I mean, <laughs> luckily, I owned the building and I worked pretty cheap. So, right. yeah, as most modelers, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. And uh, eventually it got busier and busier and, and uh, I didn't have to close the doors. But Thank goodness. I, was, uh, yeah, I, was, I was wondering there for a while if I had made the wrong decision. Yeah. Because... Uh, you know, I put a lot of time in here, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of times, like I said, I never had a customers on a whole yeah. day. Well, well oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the nice thing, though, about this place is, is the way we found it, too, the way we found it was <laughs> yeah. because you have a lot of stuff in stock that's new old stock that you can't buy anywhere else. You can't yeah. find in any other hobby shop. Yeah. Tom was looking for, it was an antenna for your DX8, right? Yep. And... I'll let you tell the story, but didn't you put a poster or something on? Yeah. So on RZ groups, I put a wanted ad out there saying, hey, listen, if anybody's got a spare DX8 antenna they want to sell, mine's broke. I would like to replace mine. And uh, I, I'd have to go back and look at the at the post, but uh, somebody locally here said, hey, you should give uh, Brian at Dynamic Balsa a shot. And probably. And prob I'm, I'm like, who? Yeah. Like I, down where we live, I, I don't know. The modelers that we, that we talk to, I guess they – 
keeping it a secret or something because I had never heard of, of uh, this hobby shop up here. And uh, boy, what a game changer it would have been if I'd have known this place was here five years ago <laughs> or 10 years ago, you know? Well, and it, it, the timing worked out great because it was just a couple months before that that our local hobby shop closed. Right. Uh, we actually had one, a friend of ours had one. Yeah. He closed it down. Um, and then there was another guy that bought, it was a different hobby shop business, but it was a, I mean, it was a fully stocked yeah. hobby shop. There was a lot of stuff in there, but yeah. He just couldn't sport it. I mean, the the building was huge. Yeah, the inventory yeah. was all brand new. Yeah, stuff. the overhead was was high there. Very high. Yeah, I um, mean, there is it, there the the uh, profit margin in a hobby shop is is very minimal compared to most other businesses. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, because modelers are cheap. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. they're always. I mean, I've yeah. I've seen it, and even in here, I've seen customers come in and they. You know, they try to beat you up on the price oh, and, yeah. and whatnot. I, I, but, I'm used to it. I mean, it don't it don't bother me any. I yeah, mean, you can't I, take it personally. No, business, no, no, so, I don't. Yeah. I don't take it personally. But I, mean, I mean, as a as a general rule of thumb, we are tightwads. You can, yeah. I mean, I somebody mean, can we make want to get something yeah. as cheap as we can, and if there's a of some place cheaper to get it, that's what we do. Yeah. unfortunately, and, and and somebody somebody you know can make an offer, and I can always say no. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. I mean, Absolutely. yeah. And normally, we come to a point in the middle, and and the sales made. I mean, right. that's what usually happens. Yep. But you got to start somewhere, so. Yeah. Uh, When someone walks into the shop, I mean, they they will very obviously right from the get-go see that a lot of your business appears to be um, buying and selling used and and pre-built airplanes. Mm -hmm. How how would you say, how did you get into that? Like, like how did you first discover that, hey, I I might be able to to maybe make a little bit of a business out of out of buying and selling used you know airplanes. Well, and sorry to add on to that. Yeah, how can you sell them? Like if <laughs> yeah. if I had all we these, we get so attached my, to them. Yeah, is if what I he's had saying. all these sitting in my house, I'd be like, nah, it's, you don't need that one. That's, my, that's mine. <laughs> well, you know? I, I have several here that I don't sell. Yeah, I mean, if you notice, you've walked around here. I mean, maybe you've asked about a few, and yeah, and they just uh, says that's a not for sale. Yeah, I've seen you point those out. This this whole section over here, you can look, but that's not going yeah, out the door. Not, yeah. yeah, yep. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, there's there's some I probably regretted selling, but. There isn't time to fly them all. I've, I, you know, then there's, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of them. I'd, uh, there's a few of them I probably would love to fly that I have sold. But a lot of times I'll fly, maybe just fly them just for a summer and then just move them on and something new will come in the okay. door. Yeah. And uh, but uh, as far as, as far as the kids, when I when I first opened the airplane uh, store here or the hobby shop, somebody came in. They says, "Are you gonna be selling the airplanes on consignment?" And I said, "Well." I really thought about it. I said, I'll get back to you. So I thought about it and I thought, you know, here's the deal. Is that I, I've I've been to other hobby shops where I, I actually seen an airplane. I thought, man, I really love to own that airplane. It's really cool. So I call, you know, I, I mean I asked the guy in the hobby shop and he goes, Oh, well, that's Fred's airplane. And I, I you know, he had a price on it, let's say six hundred dollars. And I says, you know, I, I'd give him four fifty for it. And uh so being a modeler, you know, I mean, you always got to haggle a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Yep. So he's going, well, I don't know. Let me call him. So he tries to call him. You know, I'm 100 miles from home. And, and he tries to call Fred and can't get through. And uh, eventually, you know, nobody could get a hold of him, see if he wanted, was interested in dealing a little bit with the airplane. And uh, so eventually I went home without the airplane. And the next time I got around there, it had already been sold. And so I thought, well, I'm going to own every airplane in here. 
<laughs> okay. And then if somebody wants to trade one for a for an RC car, or if you want to yep. trade it uh, for another airplane, or for money, or whatever, yeah, I says we'll be able to do that, and I can just tell you right away, right away, how yep. how's it how it's going to go down. Yep. And so yeah. that's why if you got an Makes airplane in here, uh, there's no consignment. I'll just buy it from you right then and there. If you want to sell it, we can work out a deal. Yeah. If not, you can always take it back home or take it to a swap meet or something. Sure. And uh, I've found that, that he's very fair, by the way. Yeah, you've gotten um, rid of yeah, some I've, of I've, your stuff. Some of here. my stuff is in the shop here somewhere, and I feel like it was a very fair. And, so. and you brought more stuff home. And I brought more stuff home. <laughs> I, so. I've tried. I mean, I have one guy... One day, drove up from Missouri with a pickup truck full of airplanes. I mean, he had a lot. He probably had 20 in the oh. back of a pickup truck oh and some in the back seat. Him and his son come up. Uh, I bought those from him, and he ended up buying an airplane trailer from me, <laughs> and he filled up the trailer <laughs> and the pickup <laughs> and took them back home. Okay. And when and, he got home, his wife said, I told you to get rid of all of them. And he said, these are all different, so it doesn't yeah, count. Exactly. Yeah. I did get rid of those. And, you know, yeah. he, he comes up here on a regular basis, yeah. and uh, we do some dealing and trading and that. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And yeah. uh, you've done a good job uh, as far as uh, Dynamic Balsa is on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and you post stuff on, on there. Or I'm assuming it's you. Somebody's yeah, posting stuff yep. on there all the time about new stuff that uh, that comes into the shop. And you do a really good job of that. And I don't know how well, you, you find the time to do that. But uh, I know that you do a lot of traveling and, and, and you're trading and swapping and selling, too. And yep. it's amazing to me how you find the time to not only go get these airplanes, but then take pictures of them and put them on the on the website for people that might it, be interested it, in buying it, them. Sometimes it takes me a while to get it all Get it all going. I mean, I just just this summer, I recently, uh, elderly gentleman. He was, he was been modeling since he was sixteen, and he was eighty, oh and he was moving to Florida to an apartment down there, and he was he was from Illinois here and uh, Northern Illinois, so he was selling uh, his whole what sixty five years wow. worth of airplanes, yeah. and. He had flown around the Midwest. This guy, uh, he, in addition to uh, RC, he flew full scale. And his job let him fly around the country. In the, he had a Cessna Cardinal, and he used okay. to fly around the central or central states here to to uh, for his job. So he would try and coincide that with different swap meets too. Oh, sure. So he would fly over to Ohio and Man. do his job on Friday, and then Saturday he and would go to the, the swap shows. meet yeah. and then come home with the plane load of planes. <laughs> and uh, so he had a lot of different airplanes. And uh, I ended up buying three. I had to go up there three times, uh, three loads of airplanes from. Oh, man. oh, my gosh. It was just a lot of airplanes. I thought, you know, it didn't look like that many airplanes. But, my gosh, they just kept coming out of the basement <laughs> and the garage. It's like, man. And, uh, you know, he was happy. You know, we arrived at a price when I got there. We talked about it. Arrived at a price. And, and uh so I uh, loaded up everything, brought it back here. It took me a while to sort some stuff out. Obviously, there's always some stuff that, you know, like an oddball wing or something. It's like, what are you going to do with this? So right. some stuff. I, I mean, most of the stuff, I didn't end up throwing anything away. I think I just give away a lot of stuff if I I figure it's probably just oddball here and there. But there's a lot of a lot of uh, builders that could just take a wing and adapt yeah. it to an airplane or whatever. And and buying stuff from individuals, I mean, you don't stop there. Like, um when when uh, let's say uh, Top Flight has a has a has a close out, they're gonna they're gonna get out of this part of the business. You'll sometimes maybe 
go buy out the remaining inventory. Yeah, right. I mean, I've had people that just call me up and, and uh, for instance, I did, you know, like you mentioned, Top Flight. I mean, it was Hobbyco. Uh, I, I bought all their airplanes from the, uh, that they used to take to the trade shows and for demo, demoing yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I just got a call out of the blue one day. Because they just didn't want to sell them piecemeal. It's just too much hassle. Yeah. They just want to sell us one lump sum. Be done with it. Yeah, yeah be done with it. And then, and that. So, and they let me do the piecemeal. And I mean, I've gone out of state. I mean, I bought, oh my gosh, I probably bought 300 airplanes from a guy in uh, Minnesota one time. Oh, and uh, it was several, several trips to Minnesota. Yeah. Most of them I'm were sure. all giant scale. Oh my God. And stuff. Yeah, maybe you'd have two, to, you'd maybe two hundred fifty. It was a, it was a lot of airplanes. It was a lot of airplanes. So on an average day in the in the hobby shop here, how many planes in inventory for sale do you have roughly? Oh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I man I I honestly do not know, but it's I'd hundreds. say I mean there's probably at least two fifty. I oh, would yeah. say. Oh, I'd say I, that's yeah, conservative. I would too. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you walk upstairs. I mean, the first time you walk up those stairs, you don't know what to yeah. expect. Right. And then you walk up there and it's just like, oh my. Yeah. It's As, like heaven. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not to change the subject, but um, I was interested in knowing, like, um, he, he asked, you know, how many airplanes on a given day would you say you have? Has the whole COVID thing, like, what is the impact? Has that really had an impact on the business? And if, uh, if so, has it been a big oh, impact? Oh, I, I would say it has been a big impact, but in a positive way. Okay. I, really? There is definitely more people building. And uh, I'd say, you know, just the overall, even my scale accessories has been uh, busier than heck. I mean, okay. cockpit-wise in that. That doesn't it, surprise uh, me. Yeah. Because a lot of small businesses, like, for instance, Bike shops, which I ride bicycles a lot too. Yeah, um, they're they've been busy too, and they've had a hard time filling the shop with bikes because everybody's, you know, commuting via bike and trying to do their social distancing and not commuting via car, and so which is good to hear. I'm glad that it's been good. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that you know people have come back to the hobby who maybe who right. had gotten out of it or maybe you know the time at home building airplanes has introduced somebody to a the really great part of the hobby and they'll stay in it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been quite a few youngsters that have, uh, you know, uh, are flying. I mean, we've yeah. got a few in the club, uh, not as many as I'd like to see, but right. youngsters, they just have a lot more options than when we were kids. Well, today's youth, they don't, they don't get out of a club. What, what we yeah. used to get out of a club, because I mean, for me, joining the club was, uh, was, I mean, obviously it was about the RC airplanes, but it was also about hanging out with friends and, and doing stuff with other people. But today's youth, they're not in, I hate to generalize, but that's not how they, how they socially yeah. interact. You know, they do it with headsets and computer screens and alone, right. you know? So, uh, what did, how, how do you, how do you overcome that? How do you, how do you get past the challenge of, of talking to today's youth so that we'll have a hobby, you know, in 20 years. How do we get them involved? Uh, yeah, well, that is a uh, that is a really good question. Uh, obviously, most of the kids I, I see in here, you know, jets are probably the first thing that catches their eye. Sure. They're not looking to fly a cub around. Yeah. You know? Which uh, is really fun. Unfortunately, yeah, they is. don't understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Until they've yep. done it. Yeah. Yep. And, and flying scale, I mean, I have a great time i fly mostly scale and but i've had lots of smaller airplanes i, I think i went through nine sig cougars i mean uh 
I built lots of those. That's one of my favorite and, airplanes. And, you know, put a 60 on them with a tuned pipe, oh, yeah. and you could do three rolls oh, a second. And, man, it was just a fun airplane to fly, but eventually you, you get dumb and on the control sticks, and next thing you know, you're... Building another one. Building another one, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and stuff like that. But I've... Uh, uh, but since I, you know, I mean, I fly mostly scale now, and and I just do my best to. Uh, it's always a challenge to make it fly in a scale manner. And yeah. uh, every time I go out there, I try and you know try and fly in a scale manner as best I can, and yeah. it don't always work out that way. Yeah, but the kids don't think that's cool. Yeah, you know, they want to go like you said, you know. Oh yeah, hundred mile an hour with their hair on fire. Oh yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with just the mentality of, once again, generalization, but of kids. They'll grow up and they'll grow into. Something more. One would hope so. Fun. I mean, that, that's <laughs> yeah. how I did it. I mean, when I was in high school, it was all about fast cars and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And now I don't even want to drive a stick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back yep. then you wanted the the stick shift and all that. And now I just want comfort. Yeah. yeah. So well, no, I get it. It's I, I don't think it's necessarily lost that kids aren't into it yet. It's it's something you can discover later. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, but I've. Uh, you know, overall, though, I've had a few uh, a few more people coming in, and, and a lot of middle aged people are maybe the kids are now finally grown up, yeah, and they're going, you know, well, back in the day, you know, I used to fly with my dad or my grandpa or whatever, and I just had too much life getting in the way, and now I got some time on my hands, mm-hmm. and we've been staying pretty steady as far as uh, members at you know RC club and. And uh, which I find great. Yeah. So, what's the local club around here like? How many do you have? Well, and how far we is have it? about three clubs within about twenty miles of the hobby shop. Wow, that's a lot. And that they, is. Yeah. They, uh, well, two they have of, a hobby shop to support them. Well, that's yeah. true. And two of them have about thirty members, give or take, and then one of them has about maybe ten to fifteen members. Okay. Now, when you say. 30 members, you mean like active members? Yeah, or, active okay. members, yeah. Because usually there's a there's a certain percentage of members well, that are I members, would, but they don't yeah. really... I would say in, in the two clubs with the 30 members, there's probably 12 to 15 of us that actively fly a lot. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually some members I've never, ever seen fly. Right. So, but they okay. enjoy the club. Hey, you know, they, they pay the dues, they help cut the grass, and if they want to hang out and have a good time, I'm not against that. Sure, yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, uh, one of these days, eventually they'll uh, probably pick up a transmitter and fly. And then they'll be hooked. And then yep. they'll be hooked. Then, uh, <laughs> yes. Right. Yep. And uh, that is for sure. Yeah. So we have a we have a club also. Um, we used to have three clubs, uh, but over the time, you know, they've dissolved or merged or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, the challenge this year was with COVID, you know, we yep. usually have an open house every year and then, or a fly-in breakfast or you know, to try to get exposure to, you know, new, hopefully new modelers um, with COVID. And, you know, none of that happened this year, but hopefully next year we can do that. Do, do the clubs around here kind of do the same sort of thing yes. to try to get exposure? Now we, oh, oh yeah. Uh, we usually have at least one or two flying events at, at most of the clubs. Uh, okay. We have a, uh, at Streeter, we didn't have our spring show. We ended up having our Warbird event. And, you know, we have a 700-foot flight line. Everybody was spacing, you know. And we just asked, you know, use some common sense and, and that with all the stuff going on. And I never heard of anything, good. you know, COVID-related yeah, that good. happened from, you know, that. And, you know, but it's it's pretty br- little breezy out there. There's a lot of uh, lot of space to, 
yeah to uh distance yourselves and uh and i went to a couple other events this year but that was about it i know a lot of events were canceled yeah Hopefully next Which year is we'll too be bad. able to get back into them. Yeah. I'm looking That's, forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking too. forward in. I think we're all getting it. a little stir crazy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a homebody, and if I'm stir crazy, then <laughs> yeah. you know it's getting bad. Well, I prefer but, to stay at home most of the time, yeah. too, and I'm I'm ready to but, get but out am, and do stuff. You know, getting yeah. some time to work on some airplanes, so that's good. Well, <laughs> well that's that, not a bad thing. We have yeah. definitely done that. Yep. Oh, man. So that was nice. Yeah. That uh, I uh, I picked me up a uh, quarter-scale Desert Wind ME-109, so just about got it finished that's nice. awesome so so you're building something uh well it, it needed some tlc oh i got you. and so uh it, it's already built but uh it needed a little tlc and it's yeah. uh i'm dressing up the cockpit a little bit of course and uh <laughs> got the radio system in it and it needed a little help on the rudder and some other stuff so i'm just about got it finished so looking forward to flying that Fly it on January first when we're flying our uh, probably not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Too much work still. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it'll be ready to fly by then. But uh, I'm pro- that's probably a summer plane. Mm. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. So our goal for the duelists, which Tom has pulled out ahead of me a lot recently. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so uh, far ahead of you now that it's you're covering. It's no like contest. No, it's well. Not. I still have a lot of work after covering. I still have to install the gear, do all the plumbing, and tests and run the engines together yeah. you know for the first time but yeah but i'm our, ahead of you our, <laughs> at least you admit it now but our goal for those planes january 1st we always go out to the field okay and yeah. that's when we want to maiden them yeah um yeah we'll see we, i have the week of christmas <laughs> off so it might still happen we do we do have a at ivrc we do have a uh, uh january 1st flying event they bring some chili and and we actually we have a hangar out there we Somebody brings a space, uh, heater and puts in there, and yeah. so. Oh, that's nice. We so, don't do that. It's just. Well, this really isn't a, a, a club not, sponsored. Yeah. No. It's just a few of us. It's just four or five of us that go get out. together every January first and fly something. Yeah. Well, normally try to get the year started be, off right. You know, normally yeah. there'll be maybe eight or ten of us out there. So, oh yeah, yeah, perfect. We're usually out for ten minutes and then think this is stupid. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, why are we here? It's so cold. <laughs> Way yeah. too cold. Yeah, and, and, and some yeah, some years it's just ridiculously like you know forty mile hour winds. Yeah, and yeah. You got to fly though. Snowing. Yeah, yep. that, try uh, at least. Yep. Some years uh, I have flown in that. A lot of times I just go up and hang out, yeah. just because most of my airplanes are just not really suited to uh, just a quick flight, and it's. It's a lot of work after they've been sitting on well, the shelf yeah. for three months yeah, to get one ready yeah. for one flight. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about giant scale stuff. No, we're no, talking we, I know, I know. You're talking like a, a sick Gouger type. Yeah, easy airplane. throw a battery yeah. or a contender. I, I could probably find something here you think? to uh, oh, you think take so? out to the I field. Don't, for I don't a day. know. <laughs> I might be I'd able have a hard to. time picking just one. I might be yeah. able to. Well, you should come down and fly with us. You know, one of these days. Oh, there you go. Like to. But sure. the, yeah, I was like going to say it was funny January fun. 1st story, like hell or high water, we fly on January 1st. And I have a story, uh, Dave Taylor and I did this one year, it's been some years back. It was snow on the ground, quite a bit of snow. And, you know, we obviously don't plow the fields, Yeah, you know, for because of the snow. So we drug a, I think it was a card table behind his truck up and down our runway to pack the snow down because mm-hmm. we didn't have anything on skis so that I could fly my contender that day. <laughs> yeah, And so, you did it. And I did. Yeah, That's Dave funny. flew, uh, I think he flew... Something scale uh, that day. Ah. So, yeah. Oh, good. So one more question for me. In all the years that you've had the shop since 08. Yeah. What, is there anything that has come through the shop that has been so unique that 
you would like to talk about? Like something really just out of this world or, or bizarre that's come through the hub shop that you wouldn't mind talking about? You just don't see very often, huh? Yeah. Airplane, airplane wise, no doubt. Airplane. I mean, it's a hub yeah, shop. Mostly airplane, yeah, yeah, mostly airplanes. I mean, I'm. You know, for people that have been here, it's about probably 80% airplanes, maybe 15, 18% cars, and then a little bit of uh, boats and mm -hmm. odds and ends. You've got some really neat nostalgia stuff in there, too. Yeah, I mean, old I have like, a, I, like have, that. I do have a display case where I have old engines, old radios. Yeah. Uh, Which I get a kick out of. Maybe some manuals, yeah. uh, stuff yep. like that. I mean, I had something come in here not too long ago that it was a, a winner, a race winner from Madura. In 94 and 95, it took first place in the T6 Unlimited class. Oh, okay. Or, or the, I don't know if they call it Unlimited, but it was a gold class. It was a, yeah. uh, but it was a uh, G6. It's like a, it's like a spec class. Yeah, G62 powered. Yeah. Uh, it was all, their whole race plane. I mean, it was amazing airplane. Not very heavy, but they did have a minimum. I mean, you had to be so much weight. I mean, you couldn't build them like paper light. Right. And, but the thing that, I mean, it was a Byron. T6. And the thing that was most amazing was the fact that the fuse on that Byron was, I mean, my gosh, you could have stood on it and you wouldn't have moved it. I mean, it was it was very light, but it was solid. I mean, it was honeycombed. Somebody had honeycombed the whole thing with this honeycomb special stuff, you know, all the way oh, to the tail and okay. back. I mean, and G62 and, and eventually a guy came in here and bought it. And uh, he just loves that thing. He mm -hmm. was just in here the other day. Has like probably 40, 50 flights on it now. Oh, he's and, flying it. That's wonderful. Oh, he's flying the heck out of it. And it had some kind of a – the landing gear was unlike anything, anything I've ever seen. It looked Robart, except that it was way heavier duty than – like if you just called him up and wanted a, a landing gear for a 100-inch T6, it was way heavier duty. It was – a. It was a uh, pretty cool-looking landing gear. Yeah. And he has flown with friends of his that have a stock T6 uh, with a G62 in it, and he runs circles around. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, awesome. And, yeah. And I think he, I saw and, pictures so that's of that kinda, on, the, on the website. So, so that's kind of unique. Yeah, it was uh, it was up on the website when it came in here yeah. for sale. Yeah. And he said it is loud. You'd hear it coming. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets your attention. Yeah. And uh, so you can imagine maybe – four or five of those racing at oh, Madura, yeah. how, how crazy it would have been, you know? So, yeah, historically significant. It's a race winner. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's something that's definitely going to be yeah. memorable. And, the shop. and uh, so, and I, you know, I mean, it hadn't flown for probably 20 years, I, I would imagine. And uh, no flaps. But he said it's not a problem. He has no trouble flying it, landing it. He has, awesome. he has dinged it up a little bit uh, and... It was actually on takeoff where he just kind of lost his train of thought for a second, and he just got a little slow, and it and it bounced in or something, and it it didn't really tear up a lot. It tore gear out or something, and had to put it back in or something like that. But I mean, uh, he said it's been a great airplane, so awesome. that's always nice to hear. Uh, some other stuff I picked up. I mean, I I have a Blumen Voss HA one thirty two. Which you're probably wondering, what is that? I think I, I think one thirty-seven HA one thirty-seven. Is that the asymmetric fuselage with a weird one engine on one side and a cockpit no, on the other? No, that is a Blumen Voss one thirty-one, I oh, believe. Okay. So what is what is uh, this? One? It is. It actually competed against the Stuka to be the dive bomber for Germany and lost. They only made six of them. Oh, and if you look behind you, there is a center section of the fuse up on top of the boxes, and it, it's a gull wing. 
except yeah. it has a 20 millimeter cannon right above each wheel, and the wheels are uh, fared in in a fairing, and then it had a single, uh, it just had a single pilot with an open cockpit. Mm. And uh, they actually used them in the war until they were no spares were available and and they were just junked them then. Yeah. But uh, it lost to the Stuka. And how did you come to? Acquire uh, this one. Just uh, run across somebody that had it, and uh, it. I, I believe this one is about. Uh, there was a sixty-inch, a sixty-one-inch one in model airplane news plans, I think. Oh, okay. And this one, I, I believe, is blown up for them plans one and a half times to about ninety-inch, and it's G sixty-two powered. Okay. So I haven't flown it yet. I've been working on. You know, the guy never put flaps on it. No. Maybe they're not. Maybe they never put flaps on the other one. I got mm-hmm. flaps on it now. Uh, I got some uh, suspension on it. It had uh, just fixed landing gear. I, I put some suspension on it. Uh, so uh, give it a little more. So you have that one ready for fun. January first then? Uh, <laughs> not quite, but probably this year. Okay. Oh, cool. I mean, I've been I've been working on it for a couple of years. I you know I work kind of slow. Depends, and I hop around from airplane to airplane, and yeah. you know some kind of like a kid in a candy store. Well, something catches my eye, and I got to get this one going and. Yeah. Oh, so, we understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of a unique airplane yeah. that I have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just picked me up a, uh, a third-scale Booker Youngmeister. Those are nice. This kind of a unique airplane. Yep. And this one was actually a kit from Germany. It's got a lot of unique features. It's got like the bicycle fender uh, wheel pants like, mm-hmm. and yep. it also has a little uh, leather boots over all the fittings for the flying wires. Cool. And it has flat steel flying wires. As oh, opposed really? to round ones, round, yeah, yeah, they're a little more scale, yeah, the flat ones. So oh, I'll cool. I'll show it to you. I've built for the uh, uh, for a friend. I built the the Seagull Arf yeah. of that airplane, which is flies okay. Yeah, um, I'm looking yeah. forward to flying this yeah. one. It uh, make sure it's nose heavy. <laughs> the one the one I put together was uh, not was tail heavy. Oh. From the manual, and it was oh, a handful yeah. of the first couple of flights. But yeah, now this yeah, one we got to sort it out. This one has okay. flown before. It's got a GT80 on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Twin, right? Twin. GT80, yeah. 80cc twin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. That's all I got, Ron. So, uh, only thing I wanted to ask. So you said, you know, you you're friends with Dave Platt. With Dave Platt. Yes. Yeah. Any stories from him since we're building a plane of his? <laughs> oh okay. yeah. Yep. I'll uh, I'll I'll tell you one. I uh, <laughs> Dave called me up one day and he wanted a cockpit for his zero. So, and I do have one for a plat zero. So, anyhow, I sent it to him, and and a couple months later, I seen him at Toledo at the hobby show. And in fact, we were sitting in the bar having a few beers, and I says, "How'd that cockpit work out?" You know, and Dave says, "Well, he says worked out pretty good. It wasn't as good as I could have done, but he said it worked out pretty good." <laughs> and and I believe he's telling the truth. I mean, he, he he's, he's a heck a of a scale builder. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, he probably thought it's just easier than scratch building the whole thing from, you know, from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, he is quite a builder. That yeah. is for sure. And what's he doing these days? And well, you know, I just had a, somebody tell me the other day that he took first in some kind of a free flight contest. So free that flight. was, that was pretty good. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, yeah. oh, he was, he was doing control line for a while and then now he's doing free flight. Which has got to be interesting. I mean, in the old days before radios, you just kind of put a little rudder in there, a little up elevator, put a fuse on the engine, and start that thing up and let go, and runs for thirty seconds, and you hope it spirals up and hope spirals best, down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in one piece. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Actually, and, yeah. you know, and then 
you got to be a good builder because if it don't, comes down a pile of sticks and you build another build one. Another yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. I well, mean, there's no pile of error. I mean, that's it's like once you let yes, go. Yes, there it, is no, there is no pile of error. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah, there could no be builder error. There could well, be builder error. Yeah. I mean, you had to build them perfect. You know, perfectly true. Have a balance perfect. I mean, all the instances had to be perfect, or I'm sure you found out right away. Yeah. If it yeah. wasn't, <clears throat> so I'm sure it made you a better builder. I mean, when RC finally arrived, you know, there was a lot, probably a lot of really good builders. Yeah, I bet there was. Yeah, absolutely. And. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't do much control line here. Uh, every now and then I get a guy in here that, that has done control line. I have a few control lines up there on my wall. And uh, maybe a couple of years ago, a guy came in. He had a uh, he actually had a participation trophy from Glenview Naval Air Station for the Nats in the 60s. He had a couple airplanes that he built and flew in the Nats. And one was a Corsair, which I don't know what class it was in. It was... It's a pretty large airplane for control line. I mean, it's probably thirty some inch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty beefy. Yeah. And then he uh, had some other ones that were like he only had half an elevator, and I yeah. and, they, and they're very razor thin. I'm sure there was some kind of a racing speed, speed class. Thing, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're very interesting. And I come in. He come in and you know, and we worked out a deal. And I bought the whole batch from him. And it was uh, and that one says 65 Glenview on the tail. <laughs> from uh, from uh, basically 1965, uh, oh. and I have a friend of mine who, at the time, he was probably 15, 16 years old. He goes, yeah, he says, uh, me and a buddy, we hitchhiked, and he lived out here by me, not too far from here. So we actually hitchhiked him and his buddy all the way, and they took their backpacks all the way into Glenview, which was 100 miles almost, <laughs> and watched the gnats. <laughs> for a couple of days, camped out at the on the base. Glenview is a naval air station, and camped out on, on there during the nats and, and watched them, and then hitchhiked back home. I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, I couldn't imagine somebody yeah. doing that today. Oh my no. gosh, no! I mean, it's, yeah. So I mean, that was that was quite an event. Yeah, yeah. To, that, to hitchhike, yeah, yeah, all the way in there to do to see that. Well, and I mean, and that, th- there's no social media back then, so. It's either yeah. word of mouth or yeah. magazine ads or whatever. Yeah. So to know an event and, like that is coming would have been a big deal. And uh, I had a friend of mine. Uh, his name was Dave Shipton. He flew. He flew Control Line. Okay. He was. He was uh, at least ranked in the United States, uh, top ten, I'm sure. And he was a very good flyer. And uh, I didn't know him probably till. I know he passed away maybe five six years ago, but I knew him uh, for probably. You know, from 20 years ago, and uh, anyhow, he uh, he would have an event at his house, and he had a bunch of old older control line models that had been in various contests mm-hmm. that were just amazing to see. It's like wow! I mean, some four, even some four engine models. Oh wow! That control line scale. Oh my! And his wife at the time was blind, but she had she could fly control line, and and he and she was flying control line blind. Wow, which I found amazing, and he was right there with her, telling her uh, what what to do. And I'm thinking, man, you know, with me, it would last about one second, (laughs) and I would pile that thing in. I'm sure I've never flown control line, and it'd be interesting. But I don't know anybody that wants to sacrifice an airplane. Yeah, so (laughs) let you try. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, I thought that was amazing. That that is cool. That uh, and she flew the whole flight. 
and without crashing, which I, I found incredible. That is incredible. That, uh, blind. He blind, yes. I mean, just with somebody telling her, you know, where the ground is and and that. Hmm. I, that was that was pretty amazing. Yeah. All right, Ron. Well, that's all I got. Yes, I'm here. So, is there any uh, anything else you want to say? Any how to visit you? How to do anything? Okay. Yeah, well, I, I mean, plug face, your stuff. my Facebook page, Dynamic Balsa and Hobby. Uh, you can always go on there and like the page. Uh, I do send a lot of stuff uh, over that as I get new items in. Yep. A lot of them go fast. If you think you're interested in an item, you can always call me. We can talk about it. Send me a you know message me or something, uh, and you will ship stuff, right? And yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'll ship kits and stuff. I, I don't ship full airplanes. I've never had much luck in that. Yeah, I have uh, tried several times to box them up, but now the shipping is just so crazy yeah. Yeah. that you can't you almost can't afford it. Yeah, so uh, it's best to make the drive here and, and see and, it in person. Yes, and, like and my, we do, like we do. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and my or if you have somebody that lives in the Midwest, have them drive here for you. There you go. It's worth yeah. the trip. It really it is. is. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, my website is dbalsa.com, and you can go on there, and uh, you can also contact us from there okay. if you want to just send me an um, uh, email or something. Or, you you know, look around uh, on the website. Uh, you'll see uh, lots of interesting uh, stuff. Most of it's all scale on there. I don't have... I don't have my hobby shop items. My general merchandise hobby shop items are not uh, on the website. Uh, That is just my scale items. Okay. Okay. All right. Interesting. Well, I think it's time for us to go do some shopping. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Ryan, we sure appreciate your time. Uh, Sure. Hope we've, uh, I think we've done a good job of capturing that that original conversation we had. Learned some more stuff. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, Once again, that's Brian. Uh, dynamicbalsa.com in Leonore, Illinois. And that's one more thing I want to ask you. Why Leonore, Illinois? Well, just, uh, is it just where? Well, my, my machine shop happened to be here and it's a family business. And uh, I mean, I've been there since I was five pretty much. So, okay. and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, this building, the, the hobby shop's in, I mean, it just came up. I mean, I have a friend of mine that owned it and he did one day, he just said, uh, Hey, uh, How'd you like to buy this building? And I says, well, I thought I could always use storage, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I bought the building, and, and I, I just used it for storage, and then it turned into the hobby shop. Next thing you know. And, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty economical to have a building here yeah. as opposed to downtown Peoria. Oh, sure, yes. Or something like that. Yeah. Where you know it would be much more expensive to have a building there. Yeah. So anyhow, it's and it's handy. And if you're a first time, uh, if you're a person here that comes here for the first time, you may notice a sign on the door that says "Just call a number." Because I uh, I run back and forth between my hobby shop and machine shop. Uh, some days where you know there's somebody here all day. Some days there isn't. So yeah. But but we're here. Yep. And it's open. And you will usually answer the phone. Yeah, yeah. Answer the phone, just call. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. You can just call me. So uh if I uh if I hear the phone or I'm not busy doing something, uh yeah, I'll answer the phone or I'll get back to you. Right on. Awesome. Well thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, thanks again. Well, well thanks for coming uh coming up and and uh Doing the show here. I and mean, you can I, uh, expect a lot more business now because we are so okay, huge. I am, I am looking <laughs> forward to it. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I am looking forward to it. Yeah. So, no, it was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, a lot of too. good stories. So, uh, like I said, let's go do some shopping. And yeah. uh, until next time, then I'm Ron. I'm Tom. 
Thank you, Brian. Right. Thanks, hey, you're Brian. welcome. All right, bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.